The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I really liked the acoustic session this morning. I loved the dynamic of sitting on the stools. All I needed was a cappuccino in hand. So, <clears throat> before we dive in and I do the prayer of confession, uh, I just want to share a little bit a <laughs> thought, a muse I had while I, uh, we came to church this morning. Um, you know, the different stages of life are so interesting in how you interact with them and how you've heard about them. Um, you know, you hear about, ever since you're little, you just hear about the next stage. You hear about, or what could be, right? High school, college, beyond. And, and this morning we had one of those, you know, unique stage experiences of being late to church. <clears throat> and, you know, from being a little kid, I, I, I remember hearing about the bickering that can happen and you know, so we, we jump in the car, and we, we get about a couple of blocks down the road, and I, and we're in the, the country, so it's a couple of farms down the road, and, you know, the gas light comes on, and we're already running late. I'm not going to say whose car it was. It's one of ours, and... I just, all these memories of stories I've heard in sermons of people fighting on the way to church, and I just chose we're not going to fight about this. You know, it's just that moment you're like, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm even preaching today, and it doesn't matter if I'm late. Like, I would have loved to be early. We're not. It's okay. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, man, how, how much I want us to be a church where you could, I mean, even if you have kids or something's going on, you can show up for 10 minutes of it, and you're like, man, I can get my family time uh, it just n- doesn't have to be that thing that we're weighted down by shame, guilt, and obligation for. I think it's so good to be a part of the family of God and to worship together. I think this is necessary. I don't think you can do life alone. I, d- I think you're meant to worship in the congregation. I think all those things, and I also think we can grab gas on the way without arguing. Um, so I want to offer that to you guys. Um, there's such a, you know, a culture, and in some ways we have to break, of it being about appearance to being about us meeting with God and eager for that. So, amen? amen. With that context, let me read our prayer of confession this morning. Will you pray with me? Dear God, apart from you, I'm afraid to admit my powerlessness. I feel sometimes like a small boat lurching on a mighty wave. But hearing the promises of Jesus, I find my confidence growing to face my fear and my powerlessness. Help me think more of you and less of me, to not look back over my shoulder, but instead look into your eyes and hear your voice. I'm so used to eating the scraps that the world gives that I don't know how to enjoy the feast of your word and your presence. Thank you for your patience with me and for always being ready and excited when I come to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
I just want to give you a little time for you to meditate on that prayer or give your own prayer of confession and then we'll enter the word together. God, thank you that we can be still, confident that you hold the world and everything in it, confident that these confessions we've given have been received, forgiven by you, that we don't have to look over our shoulder, we get to just look, look ahead with hope. Thank you. Amen. You have been stolen from, and what has been taken cannot be replaced with money. It is your very life that has been lost. Jesus says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This sermon series will show how your life was lost and how Jesus can restore a new and full life. These eight principles are also called the road to recovery and is part of Celebrate Recovery. We hope that many of you will find new life in Christ, will choose to help others be restored to life through Celebrate Recovery at the Coffee Oasis. So this last year, uh, my wife and I bought a house that we like to say is better than we deserve because it really is and it is not, not false humility. Um, it's better than we deserve because we don't know how to take care of it, to be completely honest with you. We, <laughs> you know, it's not better than we deserve because it's this mansion. It's better than we deserve because, honestly, it like, had really beautiful landscaping. And I, I have never been accused of having a green thumb. I, I admire beautiful landscaping. I'm an admirer. You know, that's the extent of my floral familiarities. Um, I can name colors, not flowers. Um, so we get this home that has a garden. It has places that have been barked, you know, like intentionally. And, uh, and like these paths... Like the extent of my gardening has been putting a bench under a tree. I can do that, right? And I, I also bought a pre-assembled bench. So, so this last uh, weekend, my mom was over, and we had a hydrangea that needed to be deadheaded. I had to check on that. Deadheaded. So apparently, if you have a hydrangea, these balls of flower, a lot of flowers in a ball shape. If you don't deadhead them, then the new ones can't come in strong, okay? This is, if you take anything away from it, you got to deadhead your hydrangeas, okay? That's, <laughs> that's, that's the main theme of the sermon today. So <laughs> why I digress is because oftentimes when we inherit the promises of Jesus, see that segue here? When we inherit the promise of Jesus, when we're given the goodness of salvation, 
It's not coasting time. Oftentimes, we, man, it's great. I feel free in Jesus. I've been forgiven. The promises are mine. Everything's yes and amen in Jesus. And then, and then we're like, good. I'm a Christian, right? And then you end up in a situation where your hydrangeas, your spiritual hydrangeas are just hanging on the bush. <laughs> and, uh, it's a stretch, guys. Work with me here. The principle we're at today, principle number seven, you know, as humorous as this is, is the principle of how do we keep going? How do we keep growing when we have inherited such incredible promises, when we've worked our way through very difficult principles? I'm going to walk you through them really quick, realizing that I'm not God. It's a hard start. It's a hard start admitting that I'm not God and that I am powerless to control my tendencies, to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. That's a difficult place to begin. I'm going to start by saying, I don't have what it takes. And you go into principle number two. And I'm going to believe that God is real, that God exists. I matter to him and that he has the power to help me recover. I am powerless. He has power. And then Principle three, I'm going to commit to Christ, not a general higher power. I see God and who he is specifically, powerfully, visibly, personally manifest in the work of Jesus Christ. And I consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care. That's principle three. Principle four, confess to God. I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, God, and some of my trust. Remember, we, we talked about the upward to God inward to myself and outward to other people. This confession, each step, you're like, man, I feel like I've taken this in trust and faith. It was hard, but I'm going to keep going. And the next step is difficult again. I'm powerless. God has power. Okay, not generally God, but personal God, Jesus. Going to do that. Okay, and now I'm going to let him start digging deeper and deeper into my life. There's stuff still there. I'm going to confess that to God. We've reached that. What's next? Now I see that Jesus is asking specifically, specific things of me in my commitment to him. So I'm going to submit myself to God. Voluntarily submit myself to the change he is wanting to affect in my life. And then last week, Ibrahim talked about giving forgiveness. Because I've come to this place of healing my life, I'm able to start reaching out and forgiving other people. And, and Ibrahim shared that in some powerful stories that my family continued talking. We were home sick last week, and my mom and Hannah and I talked about these stories Ibrahim shared, going, man, that was so, he, he took us back to a place that seemed unforgivable, and from the work Jesus did in his life to be able to reach out and give forgiveness. Now, this week is growing in God. It is the next step. It's the next installment, and it is simply this. Reserve daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Now, with all that set up, it's possible that you were thinking, this is going to be a hard one, but then you read it, and you're like, okay, cool. That seems nice, quaint. I've heard that before. Read your Bible, pray. Read your Bible, pray. Well, Jesus tells this story that shows that even those who hear the word 
Read the Bible, pray, read the Bible, pray. Don't all respond to it the same. He tells a story of, of a field of, of wheat that's been sown. And he tells the story of how it's received in different places along the way, right? Some just falls on the path, nothing happens, right? Read the word, nothing happened. Tells a story of some of that seed that fell, and it said it fell on some rocks, and it did it sprouted up really quick, and then it just didn't have roots, and so it died away. Another seed sprouted up super quick, but then around it was entangled. It said concerns and worries of the world, and it choked out that seed. But then there was this other seed that sprang up, was healthy, and it bore fruit. Tons and tons of fruit, right? Life upon life upon life coming from the life of that one little seed. Now, the question we look out today with are you still growing, is this. What seed are you? You've maybe made it through, I'm not God, God's real, I'm confessing to God, I'm committing to Christ, I'm submitting, all those things, and you, you feel vibrant, and yet now is the time in your life, will you go on to bearing fruit, or will you be a seed that chokes out and dies? Will you keep growing, will you keep thriving, or will that not be your story? This is not... A time to coast. So, to answer this today, I'm going to take us to Jesus' final words with his disciples that were given at the end of Matthew before he dies. And we're just going to unpack it. Known as the Great Commission. And if you're talking about growing in Christ, this probably actually isn't the place a lot of people would take you. And I think because a lot of times when you hear the Great Commission, it it is narrowed in on a duty-bound charge. But that actually, I think, is an incorrect reading of the Great Commission. That's part of it. But if it just stops there, you miss out on this charge of personal growth that is here. So if you have your Bibles, you just want to read along on the screen. This is how it goes. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now, you would think that this group of disciples would be at the place of utter courage and confidence from what they've been through. They've been through the steps, right? They've, they've doubted him. They've realized they're powerless. They've committed themselves to Jesus. They've confessed. They've given forgiveness. All these things. And then, and then you show up with them, this motley group of 11 people, and, and Jesus literally just died and rose from the dead And what are we told about them? Two things. Some of them doubt, and some of them worship. (laughs) This place you think they'd just be ready to charge into the world, do whatever. And yet some are still wrestling with doubt. That means you can stand in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. You can feel his wounds. You can be there with him, and you can be filled with doubt. 
That means there should be a lot of grace to other people who doubt, right? Because <laughs> they are there and they are wrestling with, is this real? Isn't that wild? And then they receive this charge from Jesus. And, and I, before we get into unpacking this, I, I want to, um, I just feel like I have to say that um, I, I, if you've heard this preached on a lot of times, I hope you just kind of reserve your judgment till the end of my sermon because uh, I have found myself and I've seen a lot of people be exhausted when they hear the words Great Commission, right? Exhausted, they're tired of hearing preachers tell them, oh, go, more, move, right? And it's like this, like, as if it's almost like a whip that's getting held in the hands of a preacher, like, oh, you're not going? You're not doing more? <laughs> now, that's if you start after where Jesus starts. That's not where the Great Commission starts. This, this um, section, the Great Commission, I, I want to uh, kind of, instead of thinking about the Great Commission, I just want you to think, think of it this way, and it sounds kitschy, but it's okay. The three Ps of the Christian life. The power of Jesus, that's the first one. The, the power of Jesus. And we're just going to stick there because that's just where it begins. The power of Jesus. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Some doubted, some worship, and what does he say to them? All power has been given to me. This is where it starts. Principle one started where? I am powerless. And so... Jesus comes and he says, this is a great place for you to begin. You realizing that you're not God. You realizing and admitting you are powerless. And that leaving you in an incredibly awkward position. Right? Because if you don't start with all power being Jesus's and you move into go make disciples, you're setting yourself up for what? Burnout. <laughs> That's where we usually start. We usually start... Feeling like, man, if I, I was literally, when I was writing this sermon, I was thinking, like, what is, do I, like, what's an image of the most powerless thing? And I just thought of this little boat just getting wrapped up in a huge wave, right? Like, if that's you, that's bad, right? But that's what it feels like. If you start with, go make disciples of all nations, you're like, I guess we're going to try, you know? And that's, that's what it feels like. But that's not where it starts. It starts with, Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given me. So I start, I am powerless, but there is a God, and his name is Jesus. And even better news, Jesus used all of his power to rescue powerless you. He has redeemed you, forgiven you, he's freed you, and now you have the ability to live, to live a profoundly courageous and powerful life because you are what? You're his. You're, you're, you're part of the family of the ultimately powerful God, Jesus. This is Jesus' last words to all those who are doubting. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. We start with the authority of Jesus. The Christian life doesn't make sense any other way. Christians are people that live in and under the authority of Jesus. You are not meant to just take it from here. Ephesians 1, 18, 23, Paul gives this prayer 
to this church that probably feels sometimes like a, a dinghy in the middle of a big wave, the church of Ephesus. And he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That's what his prayer is for these people. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavens, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is evoked, not only in the present age, but the age to come. All things God placed under Jesus' feet and appointed him head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in every way. That is the identity of the church. That Jesus is incomparably great and powerful and that you are what? You're not full of yourself. You are the fullness of him who fills all things in every way. That's the church. <laughs> and I feel, you know, I feel like I, know, I feel like that dad who's like looking at Elliot. I'm like, this is you. And he's like, rah, right? Because we don't feel that way. We feel small and we feel powerless. And we are, but we have a powerful head. We have a powerful Savior Jesus. At no moment will you be able to stand on your loan, alone. That, that, that is always bad <laughs> as a Christian. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So how do we live in that power? And this does take us to principle seven that, that simply says, talks about reading of the word and, and prayer. Now, moving, we're going to move a little, little further on in this to where it says, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And, and I, I'm not just leaving a part out in the middle. I'm just taking us to the place that principle seven takes us. And when he says, teach them to obey everything that I commanded you, this is our marching orders ultimately come to the second P, which is the promises of God, the promises of Jesus. This is what we hold on to, and this is what we speak and share with other people. And surprisingly, the promises of God, according to the Bible, are not burdensome. Hallelujah! <laughs> I literally, I, I deep dived into YouTube for a minute last night, and I watched this whole TED Talk on someone coming out of a cult, right? Okay, just. Now, you hear these situations, and it was called an evangelical cult, right? So you, you hear these people are, are using the Bible, right, in this cult, and, um, and you listen to it, and it is burdensome commands, right? <laughs> That's my connection here. Don't worry. Stop thinking about cults now. Right? It is just burdensome commands. It's don't wear, you know, women can't wear lipstick. They can't wear nail polish. It's this domineering male headship that's just like, you know, I honestly, I love letting, like, when I am not preaching and I can take Elliot to the back and play with him so Hannah can, can worship, you know, because I realize I get out a lot more. And, you know, those things, like, I wanted to make it light for her right? It's not this burdensome, you're here, I'm here. Uh, uh, uh. It's this, how do we make it light? How do we celebrate Jesus? How do we enjoy Jesus? How do we point people to Jesus so that they see there's freedom in Jesus? And that, that freedom doesn't come from 
law, 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 this weight that if I live in obedience to these things, then somehow I will earn the affection of God. That is not the promises of God. First John 5 say this. This is how we know that we, are, we love God. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, but his commands are not burdensome. The great command is love for God and love for people. How we arrive at that is, I think, (laughs) incorrectly handled by principle seven, which says it comes from self-examination. Now, I wrestled with that a lot because I kept coming to, I feel like every principle has led us to self-examination, and I feel like principle seven is all about God examination. It has to be. When we get into the word and we get into prayer, it's got to be about him. Now, now that doesn't mean that God doesn't show us things about ourselves. but I don't get into that step. I don't get into principle seven, and I, and I start going, Okay, now I come in and I think about all these things on my own and then I bring them to God. And that, I think, would be self-examination. Now, when I get into the word, I'm, I want to see and I want to hear from God. And when I, I see and hear from him, I literally want to ask this. Instead of, how do I see myself? I want to be asking over and over again, God, how do you see me? How do you see me, God? And let him speak that over my life. That's the beauty of time and intimacy with Jesus. Now it's the shift here when we teach everyone to uh, obey his commands and we want to obey his commands ourselves and we go to the word of God for that. It is a different intake than we normally have in our daily life, right? We are so used to getting our intake from friends, from the internet, from news, from Whatever We have all these intakes, and it's intentionally shifting our intake valve, and so the intake is coming from God himself. <laughs> Wouldn't that be beautiful? If that was the primary intake of information into your life, was God speaking his words over you? God, how do you see me? God, tell me what you see in me. And this is what it means when Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy, says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I live by that word. There's no other word I'm going to give authority in my life to than the word of Jesus, because the word of Jesus gives me life. That's going to be the authority. The one who, (laughs) it has authority over all things. I'm simply going to acknowledge that authority. He already has it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, in my life, I'm going to live under that authority. Right? It's the, the power and then the promises of God that I'm going to hold on to. That's not self-examination. It's examining God. It's unearthing the treasure of his word. Some of, some of us, and I, <laughs> I'm going to lean in here. Some of us, honestly, are stuck in self-examination. Right? And so I just want, when we do self-recovery, I want to just strike that out because we're just stuck there. And it's not about that. It's about, God, how do you see me now? I've committed myself to you. I've confessed my sins. I've lived in forgiveness. What do I do now? I just want to hear from you. That is the point of prayer and reading of scripture is hearing from God, not just bringing our issues to him. He knows those, right? It's, it's a man I want to hear from you now. And that is the last P, which is this. The very last part of this is, and surely 
I am with you to the very end of the age, and it is the presence of God. So, so, so the power, the promises, and then the presence of God. I am with you. Now, I want to be honest with you here. I wrote two sermons for this morning. I wrote a sermon, and then last night when I was going to bed, I realized that was the wrong sermon, and so I wrote a new one this morning. The sermon I wrote last night, the sermon I wrote yesterday, was principle five again, which was submit to God. Because I wanted to go back to to do, do, do. This is what you got to do. And then as I sat with it, I realized the theme of today is enjoy God. That is, that is the ultimate theme of principle seven. Learn to enjoy God. Right? And so every relationship in our lives, I mean, it, it, can, be, it can be parent-child, it can be friends, it can be siblings, it can be married relationships. If you don't reach the place, if you lose the place where you just enjoy each other, it's gone. Enjoy God. That is the point of today. And surely I am with you. God, Jesus isn't, and surely I'm with you because I'm like, like Santa Claus. I'm like, see you if you're naughty and see you if you're nice. And I'm just going to balance that out. No, like my presence is with you because I love you. Because I want to be with you. I want you to enjoy me and I enjoy you. I'm excited when you show up. You are not called slaves, but you're called sons and daughters. And man, I have learned so much more about that as a father. Like, I am so pumped to spend time with Elliot. And, and so we have a God that we get to call Father because he is so pumped to spend time with us. That's principle seven. Grow in Christ. Grow the relationship. I've been really helped in this by the book Desiring God by John Piper. And, and the, it's all in the title there, Desire God. We can desire God because God also desires us. He says this, the pursuit of joy in God is not optional. The pursuit of joy in God is not optional. It is not an extra that a person might grow into after they come to faith. It is not simply a way to enhance your walk with God. Until your heart has hit upon this pursuit, your faith cannot please God. It is not saving faith. Saving faith is the confidence that you sell that if you sell all you have and forsake all sinful pleasures, the hidden treasure of holy joy will satisfy your deepest desires. Saving faith is the heartfelt conviction not only that Christ is reliable to save, but he is also desirable. That's so good. It's not just that Christ is reliable to save us, but he is He is the one our hearts have longed for. Amen. (laughs) That's why we want to spend time with him, because it's good. It is good to be with God. It is good, and he's excited for you to show up to spend time with him. God is not just good. He is the best of all possible options, which leads the psalmist To say things like, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? That was Psalm 42, and then later 
from Psalm 84. And, and for many of you, these are very familiar. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrows found a home in the swollen nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty. Blessed are those who dwell in your house for they are ever praising you. That's, that's the heart of this. This is that, that God isn't just the one we begrudgingly serve. He's the one we delight in and the one who delights in us. Do you have this kind of longing in your life? Have you deeply enjoyed the presence of God lately? Or has it become an obligation to you? Now, I can see how one through six can be hard Principle seven is just meant to be good. Spend time with God. (laughs) Enjoy him. Now, how do we do this this week? Well, I love the admonition of Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy. And he says simply this. He says, fan into flame the gift of God. Gives an, it's a full word picture there. It's a full image. Fan into flame the gift of God. What he's talking about is he's talking about a small coal that if the proper things, wood, dry grass, whatever is placed around it, and you blow on it or you waver, you get your bellows and you're blowing on it, that it will spark into something magnificent. It will catch fire. And this is what he's telling Timothy. Fan into flame the gift of God. The gift God has given you. The gift God has given you, Refuge Church. This incredible gift of his salvation that's expressed in his power, his promises, and his presence, which is for you. Might be a wee little small coal right now in your heart. And it needs to get fanned into flame again. To enjoy him. That is principle seven. Enjoy God. Now, um, my charge to you this week, I'm going to give you something super practical to do this week. I want to encourage you to build a fire. Literally, actually, build a fire. Find a, find a place. If you're in an apartment, probably not appropriate to do it on your deck or inside. Um, it's fun to build a fire. It's fun to see something just ignite, bring enough wood that you can keep it burning for a while, and spend time enjoying God. Um, Obviously, there's other ways to do this. Um, I was telling Tom when I came in, we have these kind of bay windows in in our our bedroom, and you can look out on the, the yard, and there's this bathtub that's really big and we don't really use, and I just sat in the bathtub not, I, it was fully closed, just sitting there, just looking out these bay windows this morning, just spending time with Jesus. <laughs> this is a great spot. Um, <laughs> we've actually talked about ripping out the bathtub because we never use it and just putting chairs there because this is this amazing place just to look, right? And just be present, be still and know he is God. So I, I want to invite you to do that. Enjoy God this week. Go after him. Pray with the psalmist. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul 
yearns and even faints for God. Pray with me. Dear God, apart from you, I am afraid to admit my powerlessness. I feel like a small boat lurching in a mighty wave. But hearing the promises of Jesus, I find myself confident to face my fear and my powerlessness. Help me think more of you and less of me. To not look back over my shoulder, but instead look into your eyes and hear your voice. I'm so used to eating the scraps the world gives that I don't know how to enjoy the feast of your word and presence. Thank you for your patience with me and always being ready and excited when I come to you. As we keep singing, I want to invite all of you to um, share in the Lord's Supper, uh, remembering that Jesus was betrayed. Uh, he ultimately gave his life and he broke the bread. This is my body broken for you. He offered the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. And um, it always just feels good, like sealing the deal again, right? I mean, Jesus did it. We enjoy it. It's reminding ourselves what he has done for us. And while you hold it, while you rest with it there in the presence of God, I do encourage you just to think about those things. Think about his promises. Think about his presence. Think about his power. All that's yours, Christ. <laughs>